you have reached the Atlas Obscura podcast line. Uh, I'm Dylan Thuris. Leave me a message about a strange, unusual, or surprising place that happens to be near where you grew up or where you live now. Hi, my name is Jim Matthews. I owned a house, uh, Brownstone, in Brooklyn for many years, and one day two guys came to my door and asked if they could dig in our backyard, which is a very strange request. But dig they did. In fact, that what they unearthed several feet down at the rear end of our backyard was an old latrine from the days when plumbing wasn't available in the house. It was an old 150-year-old house. And digging down to the latrine, what they discovered was that glass bottles uh, down there. Over the years, the glass bottles became covered with a kind of a glaze, a kind of a, a shimmery, iridescent glaze. They gave us a couple bottles, but took the ones they found. And off they went into the day, and I never saw them again. I'm Sarah Wyman, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're going to unearth a treasure in Jim Matthews' literal backyard, under layers of ash and trash and some century-old poop, and we'll meet the mysterious men who dug it all up. Who were they, and why did they do it? That is after this. When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For your next vacation spot, check out Texas for their vast landscape of culture, regions, destinations, and activities. Explore 350 miles of coastline and every kind of hiking trail, from strenuous to wheelchair accessible. Enjoy world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Travel Texas even offers an online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. So I should start by saying, just to add another layer of mystique to this story, there is a lot Jim Matthews does not remember about the day those two guys showed up and turned his backyard into an archaeological dig. I'm sorry. I'm 80 years old. (laughs) (laughs) The question is, will I live to the end of this conversation? But here is what we do know. Jim Matthews moved into a Brooklyn brownstone in 1977. It was one of those historic townhouses, long and narrow, with a flat roof and a steep set of stairs leading up to the porch. The house was more than 100 years old, and he and his wife had thrown themselves into renovating and restoring it. And one Saturday, two strange men knocked on his front door. They were tall and slender, I recall, and they were big guys. And I'm not a big guy. And I was a little intimidated. Nevertheless, they began to ask me if they could dig in my backyard. 
which is, of course, uh, not something that happens every day. So I was uh, a little alarmed. Anyhow, turns out the guys are completely legit. They're treasure hunters. And that becomes clear. And they're telling me that I have treasure in my backyard. That was exciting. The treasure hunters carried a bag of tools and a long metal rod through Jim's house into the backyard. They sank one end of that rod into the dirt, probing around for something. And in the very back corner of Jim's yard, in the middle of a flower bed, they found what they were looking for. They started to dig a hole about eight feet down into the ground. They were out there for hours. You can just imagine all of this from a kid's point of view. You know, they write kids' books about things like this. I mean, how improbable. And then when they started to bring things out, well, of course, we all got excited and the whole family gathered around. And then they start taking out these glistening bottles, kind of glasswork. It was all glasswork. And it was uh, all had this peculiar glistening quality that um, I haven't seen before. Jim still has four of the bottles, and he sent me a picture. Two are clear glass, and the other two are this bright aquamarine color. The smallest one could fit in the palm of my hand. And they do have this strange iridescence. They look like sheets of sea glass, sanded by time and ash into smooth, round shapes. Of course, then our imaginations began to run wild, and when they first came up with a couple of peculiarly discolored bottles, we thought, oh, wow, what else could be in there? Well, nothing else. (laughs) Just more peculiarly discolored bottles. No gold coins? No, no gold coins, no uh, skulls. (laughs) (laughs) That's a relief. They, They left as unceremoniously as they arrived. They put all the dirt back in. They packed up their stuff. I never saw them again. Wow. And you have no idea who they were? Nope. Still don't know. Can you just tell me who you are and um, what you used to do? Well, I still I still am who I am and I still do stuff. <laughs> I guess I meant who you are and <laughs> that you used to dig in backyards. <laughs> oh, well, my name is Jeff and I used to dig in backyards. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Kantoff. Folks, this isn't serial. I had two weeks to make this episode. But I did look up this phenomenon of having a group of strange men show up in search of an outhouse buried in your Brooklyn backyard. And that is how I found Jeff. He used to be part of a group that has been called the Outhouse Five. The Outhouse Five. That's, that's unusual because there was only four of us. There was George, Charlie, and Richie. So... Uh, I don't know who the fifth guy was. He must have been like the fifth Beatle. Um, <laughs> we're not quite sure who he was. To be clear, the Outhouse Four were not the only ones digging up people's old latrines in the 80s and 90s. They were part of a small community, mostly antique bottle collectors, who were all doing the same thing as a hobby. You know, people always would say to us, oh, you're going to find something of really value in my backyard. We tell them, stand outside and watch the process. Not only are we going to dig this hole, we're going to fill it up. And there's four of us. You'll figure out we're working for about 38 cents an hour. But it was more just the thrill of the haunt and the friendship between us. And we met a lot of really nice people who invited us into their homes and became friends. 
Before the 1860s, most houses in Brooklyn did not have indoor plumbing. Instead, families used outhouses in their backyards. They were built over big, round pits, usually around 12 feet wide and 12 feet deep. So once the city brought the water lines in, now people had an outhouse in their backyard that they no longer needed. So people started to use them as garbage pails. And every row house had one. So there was literally thousands of them, you know, abandoned. Fortunately for the Outhouse Four, those neighborhoods were meticulously documented for fire insurance companies in the 1860s. Jeff and his buddies took those old maps and cross-referenced them with new ones to figure out where the houses that predated indoor plumbing were. Basically, any house before a certain year in a certain neighborhood was guaranteed to have a cistern and an outhouse. Jeff and the Outhouse Four were like the SEAL Team Six of digging up latrines. Once they got permission to dig in someone's backyard, they knew exactly where to look. They laid down tarps. Richie was the probe guy. He used that long pole to poke around and find buried stones marking the lining of the pit. And then all four of them would take turns hauling up buckets full of dirt and ash, working their way through what was basically a latrine parfait. The latrine part, the century-old poop, was way at the bottom of the pit, covered by layers of fireplace ashes, more ashes, and the good stuff. We found bottles, we found pottery, we found marbles, we found porcelain dolls, heads, arms, legs, false teeth. I have a teapot that predates the Revolutionary War that we found in the bottom of somebody's outhouse. Pretty much anything somebody didn't want and wanted to throw out wound up down the outhouse. As they dug through one pit, the outhouse four traveled backwards in time. They met the house's former residents as adults, could tell if they were sick based on the medicine bottles they found, how much meat they could afford based on bones. If there were ink bottles, they knew the family was literate. And then, a couple of layers down, they got to know them as kids. They dug up their marbles and the porcelain dolls they played with, the soothing syrups their parents fed them when they were teething. All this history was a family's trash. Imagine you buy a house and all of a sudden you could have something in your hand that somebody who lived in your house 140 years ago possessed. You know, there was a lot of interest. The people who lived in the houses really felt a connection to the people who lived there before and were happy to display something that somebody had used, you know, 100 plus years ago in the same house. Maybe a little glass bottle, shimmering with iridescence from decades of being covered in ash. But Jeff also told me stories that were bigger than that. Like, he told me about one dig right by the Brooklyn Bridge, where the house predated the Civil War. So we started with this house in the outhouse, which was tremendous, and discovered all kinds of stuff under this house. I mean, there was tunnels, there was vaults, there was all kinds of stuff under this house. Jeff says some of those tunnels ran to the East River. He believes they were used as part of the Underground Railroad. The pit was like 18 feet square by 18 feet deep. It took us four weeks to dig and fill this thing. I mean, it was a monster. And actually, Channel 9 News, the local news in Brooklyn or New York, came and filmed a lot of it. It was probably something archaeologists should have dug and not us. Hello? 
Hi, this is oh. Sarah Wyman from the Atlas yeah. Obscura podcast. Hi. How's it going? Fine. How are you? I have some updates for you. Okay. After Jeff and I hung up, I called Jim Matthews back. I told him about the Outhouse Four, this weird and wonderful little community neither of us had known about. Although he told me that the Five is maybe a little bit like the Fifth Beetle because there were only four. I told him about some of the other latrines Jeff dug up, and we wondered whether Jeff could have been his mysterious outhouse man. Maybe it, maybe it didn't all happen in one day. Maybe they came back. Yeah, that, that. And we talked about how, for Jeff, this was never about money. So they weren't in it for the cash. They were really in it for the thrill of the hunt. Yeah, I would think that would be a pretty satisfying kind of thing to go dig around in somebody's backyard like that. He spent his Saturdays digging for outhouses because it is totally wonderful. The knowledge that you could go out, knock on a stranger's door, convince them to let you in, and then dig up a piece of history over 100 years old right there in their backyard. And all these years later, that is the feeling that has stayed with Jim Matthews, too. It's the reason he called us about this story. That was a very precious experience. Nothing like that happened ever again. <laughs> nothing, nothing on that level of, of unexpected ever happened again. So, I mean, it was really, uh, it was a very, very memorable and, and kind of precious uh, experience. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. Our production team includes... Chris Naka. Doug Baldinger. Camille Stanley. Dylan Therese. John Delore. Peter Clowney. Our technical director is... Casey Holford. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. This episode was sound designed by John Delore and mixed by... Luce Fleming. I'm Sarah Wyman. Thanks for listening. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. 
Learn more at funturns50.com.